screen, it's some circles. And I love circles. So we've got life with God, life with each other, and lights in the world. And so this is when we uh, were starting uh, this kind of new season of hope, wanting to see what does God have for Hope Church? What, are we gonna, what do we wanna focus on? Where we are, where are we at, and all the activities that we do. And um, we wanna ground it in the vision that God has for us. And so um, we can move to the next slide. We kind of move these circles into one another and show that they're not separate pieces. We've got life with God, life with each other as we do church together, what we call church is sharing our lives together as we follow Jesus together. Um, and Jesus never wanted us to stay where we're at with each other, but move out and bring his light into a hurting and broken world. Um, and so we get that from Jesus. So we move to the next slide. All, we want all of that to come from simply from discipleship to Jesus. We wanna follow Jesus into loving God and loving others. And so when we look at life with God and life with each other and lights in the world, we're just looking at the life of Jesus. We're seeing as he broke into the world, he had an intimate relationship with his Father in heaven. He brought a people together that he walked with, that he poured into, that he showed how to love. He showed what the kingdom of God looked like. And then he sent them out to do the work of the kingdom, to see the kingdom come through them. Um, and so when we are looking at these circles, we want you to know that we're not just wanna come up with them or come up with a new thing. We wanna look at what does Jesus call us to? Because what we wanna be about at Hope Church is following Jesus, following Jesus together, being a disciple of Jesus and making other disciples. And Jesus' ultimate goal for us as disciples is to learn to love God with all that we have, all that we are, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so when Jesus said, make disciples, he said, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to do all that I've commanded you. And listen, I'm gonna be with you the whole way to the very end of the age. So that's what we're grounding this vision series on is following Jesus and following Jesus together. So as review, what we talked about last time, um, and you can move to the next slide, is we were um, uh, in Genesis chapter one, God makes it clear that we were created to bring God's goodness into the world. Human beings were created in the likeness of God to bring his goodness and his creativity into the world and bring good. But we forfeited that. We joined a spiritual rebellion that's going on to this day as Satan and the demons who rebelled against God. Adam and Eve chose, we are gonna go that route. We don't trust God is good. We don't trust he has the best for us. And we believe that we can run our lives, we can run the earth better than God can. It was a bad decision. And all of us are living in that same state right now, except that as soon as that happened, as that break of relationship, God promised a savior. He promised a savior that would crush the head of the serpent, the same serpent that lied and deceived Eve to take the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil that God had told them not to. God promised a savior. And in 1 John 4, 14, we see, and we have seen and testify, this is one of Jesus' disciples and friends writing later in his life, that the Father has sent his Son into the world, to be the, has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And so last week, you can go to the next slide, we talked about John 17, 24 through 26. This is a prayer that Jesus is praying right before he goes to be betrayed tortured and killed. Jesus did this knowing this was the Father's plan, that his death, his blood poured out would provide forgiveness for our sins and that he believed that the Father would raise him up and he did, he didn't stay dead but he has life and he went to go be with the Father to open up the way. And so when we look at John 17 verses 24 through 26, we see Jesus' heart right before he goes to be killed and offer himself as a sacrifice so that we could have life, so that we wouldn't be destined for all that humans had, had revoked, had, le had left their right to be with God, like Adam and Eve, that we're destined for a life and an eternity without God. But again, God's plan was different. And here, Jesus' heart for you and for me when he prays, Father, I want those whom you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory 
the glory you have given me because you have loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. We, we see God's, Jesus's heart that he was willing to go to the links that he went to, willing to lay down his life. And we're gonna talk about Romans 5 a little bit later where even though we were enemies of God, at the right time, Jesus died for us, an enemy of God, because he wanted his enemies reconciled back into the family of God. And you see his heart here in these verses that when he saves, when someone trusts the blood of Jesus to wash them clean, trust that God gives us Jesus's righteousness and trust that he didn't stay dead and that all those who trust in him will be with God forever. When that happens, his heart is that we would be with him and that we would get to know the love of God, the same love that Jesus had been knowing from the very foundation of the world. Jesus was God and was always with God. And so when he came into the world, his ultimate goal, we can go to the next slide, is seen as 1 Peter 3.18, where it says, for Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. And so this, you see this ultimate goal at Christ's death for us to be in our place and to rise again and have victory over death was so that we could be forgiven, welcomed in, and that nothing would separate us, not even death. It's really, really good news. And Jesus offers it to all people. And we're gonna see that in Ephesians. It's a beautiful, beautiful letter that Paul wrote talking about how no one's excluded and everybody's welcome. And in fact, he creates one beautiful, amazing new people through the sacrifice of Jesus. So we are gonna, we're gonna jump into Ephesians 3. Um, you can go to the next slide. Um, I'm gonna read this for us. Um, this was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Sorry, I'm gonna stop there. There's a lot of context of the letter of Ephesians, but to do it as quickly as I can, Paul writes this letter to Gentile believers. These are people who were not Jewish. They weren't part of the original family of God as God brought Abraham out and created a new nation. They weren't part of the, the Jewish nation. And so he's writing this letter in the first three chapters give this glorious declaration of what God has done through Jesus, that he has forgiven us of our sins, he seated us in the heavenly places with Jesus. He has made us right with God, though we didn't deserve it, and there was no works on our behalf, there was no merit that we brought. Jesus offers himself as a gift, and then he brings all of those people that trust in Jesus into one new family, where there's not Jew nor Greek, there's one family with access to God, with life with God. And so when he said this was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus, the verse before it says that Jesus, when he, when he gave, when he did this, when he said that there's this mystery revealed that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, the non-Jewish people, he did this so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places the same spiritual powers that brought the brokenness into the world that we partnered with. God said, I, made, I brought the church together under Jesus to show the beauty of my plan that nothing, not even the spiritual forces of the, of the darkness in the, in the heavenly realms could thwart the plan of God through little old us. And it really is an incredible thing that us would be a declaration to the powers in heaven, the, the demonic powers in heaven, that God will, his plans will not be thwarted. So we continue on. In whom, and that's talking about Jesus, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, 
go to the next slide, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit and your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. So in this vision series, where we're camping out right now is life with God. And we're gonna be here for a little bit because we believe that life with God that Jesus brought through his death and resurrection is the source of everything we do in our Christian life. Without that, we're just doing activity. We're meeting together, we're having social events, we're doing different things. I would love to be part of the women's charcuterie night. That sounds better than what we're doing, although I'm really excited about what we're doing, except that we have life with God. Except that from that place, we move into life with each other. And we have the power, we have light, we actually have something within us to give the world that's broken, that's hurting, that's lost, that needs hope. We have that hope because, because Jesus brings us to God and not because of anything else. It's Jesus who brings us there and it's that's what we have to offer. What's cool about Ephesians, he starts those three chapters and there's these, and he ends it with this prayer that we just read. He ends that section with his prayer, with this amazing prayer that we would know the depths, the height, the length, the breadth, the love of Jesus that goes beyond knowledge. And then he moves right into chapter four and he talks about, so then, this is how you live with one another. This is how you love one another. This is, this is the unity you should pursue with one another. And he talks about, he goes into practical things and he goes into these things of how we live with one another, but he starts with this glorious truth that he has brought us to God. So we're gonna move to the next slide. Um, And so this is a beautiful, in Christ, we have bold and confident, confident access to God through faith in him. In Christ, we have bold and confident access to God through faith in him, through faith in Jesus. This is a remarkable statement. and you don't have to know a lot of the Bible to see as you look through the Old Testament, to come into the presence of God was not a small thing and it wasn't something that people took lightly. In fact, there are people in the Old Testament who died for approaching the presence of God in a wrong manner. And for the Gentiles, for this letter, for the Gentiles, for the Jewish people to think, to think the Gentiles are welcome, the Gentiles weren't allowed into the temple, they weren't allowed into these places that were sacred. And so Paul is blowing up these preconceived notions with the good news of Jesus, that he's brought one family together and that one family has one major thing in common, that in Christ we have bold and confident access to God through our faith in him. It's an incredible statement and I think I think if we've been Christians for a while, we should let it sink in that um, we should not have bold, confident access to God. We should not have that, except for the love of Jesus, except for that he wants us in, except for he was willing to go all the way to have us here. It reminds me um, about uh, 11 years ago, about 10 years ago, I looked it up, and actually 11 years ago, um, Kara, who's my wife, we went on a trip to Memphis because a friend that she went to high school with happened to um, be good at basketball. He was seven foot three. His name was Hashim. He was drafted number two in the NBA draft to the Memphis Grizzlies. So he played for the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, he, uh, yes, full on every bit of seven foot three. It's very weird being around a seven foot three human being. Even though I'm six foot three, I just, I felt, I felt real small. Um, and so we went to Memphis, we went to see one of his games, and after the game, we go back to his house, we stayed at his house, uh, and so we go back to his house, we're hanging out, we're there, and then at about uh, midnight, I'm like, well, I'm headed, headed to bed, going to bed. It's approaching, it's after midnight, it's about 1, 1 a.m., and that's when Hashim found me, and he says, all right, we're going out. <clears throat> I'm not gonna do his voice, it's, that, was, that doesn't do it justice. He's from Africa, he's got this deep African voice, it's, it's wonderful, but he said, Jake, we're going out, and I said, where are we going out to? We're going outside? 
We're gonna, what are we gonna see outside? He goes, no, we're going out. And I go, going out where? So we're going out to the club. So 1 a.m., didn't realize that's when, I thought, well, maybe there's not gonna be that many people there. I was wrong. 1 a.m., the club is prime time. So I get in this, I didn't, I didn't, apparently I didn't think about it much. I just got in the SUV with Hashim. It was just me and Hashim. Hashim's driving. I'm in the SUV. I'm, I'm in the driver's seat. His buddies, he has an entourage. Of course, if you're in the NBA, you have to have an entourage. His, his entourage takes another vehicle. I don't know why. I don't know how this works, but that's how it worked. I got in the car with Hashim. We're going out to the club. All right, this will be great. We'll see how this goes. So I go with Hashim. We, uh, we pull into this parking lot. The club's in the back. The, the parking lot is on the street. And that's when I found out 1 a.m. was the time to get there because I don't think I've seen a parking lot this big with every single spot, every car filled to the very back. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be ridiculous. So Hashim drives past all the cars. We, we're driving, I was like, I don't, see a, I don't see a parking spot here. There's no parking spot. We're driving past a parking lot full of cars. I don't know what we're doing. So we drive past all the cars. We get up to the very front of the club uh, to where Hashim pulls up onto the curb of uh, the front of the, the club, puts it in park, and then gets out of the car. And I'm just sitting there like, do I get out now? And he's like, no, I put it in park, we're going. So I get out of the car with Hashim as we're parked on the curb where all these cars are behind us in the parking lot. There's a line just stretching all the way into the parking lot. And then there's a large, uh, circular or spiral staircase going up to the club entrance, which is on the second floor, where everybody's waiting in line to go through the metal detector and strong security presence that's there at this club. I <clears throat> uh, forgot to mention, I didn't have any clothes. I was like, Hashim, I can't go to the club. I just have a t-shirt, jeans, and flip-flops. That's what I wore in college. So he said, don't worry, I've got a shirt for you. So I'm wearing the shirt of a seven-foot-three human being. <clears throat> All of his friends were Africans. They, they loved to have pointy, these pointy shoes because all I had was flip-flops. So I was wearing pointy dress shoes, slip-on dress shoes, a shirt of a seven-foot-three man um, walking into this club in Memphis where I stood out just a little bit. Um, and so we park, we walk past everyone in line, and it's just Hashim and me very closely behind Hashim. And he's walking past all these people. We walk up the spiral staircase. Literally, we have to get, I mean, it was just people and they're just looking over. They look at me, they're concerned. And then they see Hashim and like, okay. And so I'm following Hashim, we follow. Here's the metal detector, time for us to go through the metal detector. We don't, we don't go through the metal detector, that's not for us. Hashim walks to the left of the metal detector, daps up the security guard, to which I then follow and say, hey, what's up? Dap up the security guard as well, because I totally belong there. He takes me back to the far corner of the club to which we proceed into the VIP section, where there are other NBA players like Zach Randolph. Anybody remember Zach Randolph? I'm a big NBA fan. So I'm hanging out with Zach and Hashim and all my other buddies, um, and I look like I am uh, exactly where I'm supposed to be. <clears throat> and when I was reading these verses, as silly and as funny as that story is, <clears throat> it made me think about how much I did not belong in that club. I didn't belong. I was not the right type of person. I could not walk past, I could have waited in line, but to pull up to the front, to get right in, to have that access, except that I had a friend who is an NBA player, who had status, who had clout, who was known in that club, who had total and free access. And so for us, Jesus is offering all of his merit, all of his righteousness, all of his intimacy and access with the Father, he says, that's why I love that we sang that song tonight, I run to the Father. We can sing that, we can sing that. We can say, I do run to the Father and I have confidence that I can run to the Father. I can run to the Father because of Jesus, because I have a friend who died for me. I have a friend who belongs in heaven. And though I was not the right type of person, though I did not belong, he did what it took to bring me near and to give me access to God. And so that's the first glorious truth as we look in this um, beautiful passage of Ephesians, as we, taught, as we think about this life with God, as we think about why Jesus came, why he died, that's the first place we look at, is that he wanted us to be with him where he was to see his glory. He wanted us to be with him 
that we would know the love of the Father that he knew from the beginning of time. So if we move on to the next slide, we see these um, beautiful uh, truths in Hebrews as well. We say, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We move on to the next one in Hebrews. For the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, I love that, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. That's Jesus, our high priest. On the other hand, a better hope is introduced. And we see in chapter two of Ephesians, if you move to the next slide, um, it's clear how we have this access. And we're gonna be talking a lot about this as we finish. Um, for through him, we both, and when he says both, it's Jew and Gentile, no barriers, no walls introduced. The family of Jesus is open to all. And so we both have access in one spirit to the Father. It's the spirit that Jesus sent to us. After he suffered, after he died, after he rose, and after he was seated in heaven at the right hand of the Father, he said, it's better for me to go away. He told his disciples who were present with the body, the flesh and blood Jesus, Jesus told them, it's better that I go away. And they're like, what? It's better that I go away because I, the, the, the spirit will come, the comforter will come. And it's talked about in the, in the gospels and other places in John. It's better that I go away for we both, we all in one spirit, the Holy Spirit that Jesus sent to give us life with God have access to the Father. So as we move into this beautiful prayer of Paul, um, we're gonna read these um, passages and I'm gonna, I'm gonna focus mainly on, on one verse because this prayer, I mean, it's so, it's so full. It would take a lot of sermons, I think, to dive into the depths of how beautiful this prayer is that Paul prays for the Ephesian believers. Um, but as he prays, that's the context that Paul has in mind. This is what Jesus bought for you. This is the plan that God has in the good news that he has brought all people to access the Father by the Spirit with nothing in the way because Jesus has taken care of everything. All that it stands is faith in Christ to be justified by his work and to be brought near by his body and blood given to us. So as we read in Ephesians 3, 14, you can move to the next slide. He's saying, Paul is saying, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to, co to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to all the fullness of God. This is a, a beautiful, a beautiful passage um, and um, this, um, this sermon, this talk, this passage um, is more than just a talk for me. This has been a, a, a significant part of my journey in walking with Jesus. Um, uh, I spent a lot of my life um, in Christian um, life and have great parents and, and uh, raised me to know Jesus. Um, but I spent so much of my life um, not either believing or believing lies that I could know the love of Jesus that surpasses knowledge. I knew that I could accumulate facts. I knew that I could study and gain a lot of scriptural knowledge and I did do that. I knew that I could memorize. I knew that I could sit with someone and tell them the truths and the facts of the gospel. But it was a journey that God took me on to understand that the very truths of scripture 
point to the reality that God wants us by the Spirit to experience the love and the truth of these beautiful words and this beautiful story in a way that goes down into the very core of who we are. So when we start in verse 15, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. According to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. This eliminates all of the thoughts that it is what we bring to God that allows us to experience the goodness of who he is. It's, it's our earning our way into his presence. This is, Paul says this very clearly, according to the riches of God's glory, he may grant you, and remember, he's praying for these people he, he loves. He may have never met them, but he knows that they're believers in Jesus. This, we can read this, is Paul's heart for these people, real people like you and me, who have trusted in Jesus, who have believed this good news and are following Jesus. This is Paul's heart for those people that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that goes beyond knowledge. That verse, that verse 19 is what struck me many years ago as God was doing this work in me. I read these words, to know the love of Christ that goes beyond knowledge. And it broke my framework of I could accumulate enough information about Jesus to be a good Christian. That I could learn enough stuff to overcome the darkness in my life and to live as Jesus called me to live. Because I took seriously Jesus saying, look, I'm come that you would learn to do all that I commanded you. And I saw this deficit, and this is a verse that has stuck out to me from Paul and uh, as well to the Corinthian church that he said, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, it's a matter of power. And most of that journey for me, I knew the kingdom of God really is a matter of talk, not a matter of power, not a matter of transformation into the image of Jesus to be able and have the power to obey him because I love him. And that's what struck me those years ago that he says, to know the love of Christ that goes beyond knowledge. How do you know something that goes beyond knowledge and be filled with all the fullness of God? Well, we can look back at verse 16, according to the riches of his glory, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, in your inner being, that you being rooted and grounded in love, that Christ may dwell in your hearts and through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. It's so clear here he puts it that God's desire, Paul's heart and God's desire for the Ephesians people is that they would know this love in their inner being only by the power of the Holy Spirit. So what we have to confront is that the gospel, to put our faith in Jesus, to know the love of God, we need supernatural help we cannot know and receive the love of God without the Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit doing that work in us that we would be able to comprehend that love that goes beyond knowledge. And it is the love of God, it says, we, this is love, First John says this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And so everything we do as Hope Church as we follow Jesus comes from this place, this fountain, as Jesus said, to someone that he sat with and offered living water, that he said this living water would flow into a fountain. Everything that we do in life with each other and lights in the world, this flows from the place 
of God's deep and abiding love for us. And we know that because he has given us his spirit. We see this also in Romans 5. If you guys have your Bible, this is the only other place I'll ask you to go, is Romans chapter 5. Starting in verse 6, um, Paul says, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's me and you, all of us. For one, pers- for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So those are the facts of the gospel. Separated from God, no life with God, enemies to the kingdom and the good news. And Jesus came and he died for us so that we could be reconciled to God. Those are the facts. But if we move up to verse five, we see a stunning statement Romans 5, 5, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I don't know if we have that. We can move. Yes, awesome. So God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he, whom he has given us. This is talking unashamedly about experiential knowledge of the love of God that comes by the Holy Spirit. The beautiful thing about the gospel is it's rooted in historical truth. It's rooted in a Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago who died and did not stay dead. He died, he did not stay dead. And we know God loves us because he gave his life for us. But I don't know if you're like me in that Maybe I grew up hearing that and hearing that and hearing that and not realizing God's, God's plan and purpose through the gospel is that through that death and resurrection, he would give me the Holy Spirit so that I can receive the amazing love of that truth that is rooted in historical fact 2,000 years ago. The Bible very clearly talks in Romans 5.5 5, and in Ephesians 3.19, that our life as believers is following him is to be rooted in the reality of God's love for us because he's given us the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said to his friends, as my father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. He said, abide in my love. That means to make our home in, a, in, a, in his love. And the beauty of the gospel is that we, do not, we don't come with anything to earn the love of God. Jesus has taken care of every possible obstacle. But at the same time, he knows that what we need is supernatural knowing that comes from the Holy Spirit. So if we go, I'm gonna um, play a quick video for you. This is is good for me because this is my my, um, son Beckett, who's now seven. This is two-year-old Beckett, I'm about to play in a second. Two-year-old Beckett. Um, singing a song that a lot of us will recognize. He's trying to sing the song. It's just hard to get to the next line. And so we're gonna watch Beckett uh, sing a song for us. (laughs) He couldn't quite get to the next spot. He was a little frustrated. But he was singing a song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. But he could only get, Jesus loves me, this I know. Jesus loves me, this I know. And the song, as we all know, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. For the Bible tells me so. And that is a beautiful and glorious truth. Without the scriptures, we would not know. We would not know the good news is for us. We would not know that Jesus died for all people, no matter where you come from or or where you've been or how dark it has gotten in your life. Jesus came to die for all people. But the Bible also clearly, because of the Bible, we also know that it's just not, it doesn't stay in that letter. It doesn't stay in those pages. It has to come alive off of those pages by experience of the Holy Spirit who he lavishly pours out on us. 
He gives his Holy Spirit to us. He died so that we could be with God. So we might have a little help <clears throat> from um, uh, John Piper. Um, I have a quote here um, from John Piper. It says, when you read the New Testament, honestly, the key word honestly, you can't help but get the impression of a big difference from a lot of contemporary Christian experience. For them, the Holy Spirit was a fact of experience. For many Christians today, <clears throat> it is a fact of doctrine. When you read the New Testament honestly, and he's saying for them, as we read the book of Acts, as we read Paul's prayer to these people, for them, it was a fact of experience. For many Christians today, it is a fact of doctrine. If we go to the next slide, <clears throat> it continues even more so in Protestant evangelicalism, the gift of the Holy Spirit is equated with a subconscious work of God in regeneration, which you only know because the Bible says you do if you believe. It is easy to imagine <clears throat> a spiritual counselor saying to a new convert today, don't expect to notice any difference. Just believe you have received the Spirit, but that is far from what we see in the New Testament. That's far from what we see in the New Testament. <clears throat> God does not, by the Spirit, bypass the truths of the gospel and scripture. He comes to reveal the truth and beauty of the gospel to our inner man by the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what we are told is on offer to us. Not strict, hard discipline to hold fast to the words without any present knowledge of God with us, the Holy Spirit present, and God's love filling us. Paul, in another place, as he finishes a letter, says to the Corinthians, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. If we go to the next slide, Jesus sat on a well with a Samaritan woman who was outside the bounds of God's salvation according to the Jewish people. She was outside this family of God that we talked about. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks this water, this water she was pulling up out of the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And later, Jesus, in a, um, a religious celebration in John 7, he stands up at this feast and he says, if anyone's thirsty, let them come to me and drink. And out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And it says right there, this he testified of the spirit who is yet to be given because Jesus was not yet glorified. If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And water, rivers of living water will flow from them. And we see in scripture that the source of this living water is the knowledge to be able to comprehend the width and the breadth and the height and the depth of God's love for us. Because it's knowing this love that empowers our obedience to Jesus. The Christian life does not consist of nice, comfortable experiences of how much God loves us with nothing else. It's because life following Jesus is hard and narrow. Jesus made that clear. It's because of that that we need to know by the power of the Spirit, his deep and abiding and present love for us right now. Not one day when we get to heaven, but Jesus made it clear that the kingdom of God is here now. The age to come where God will dwell with his people that's where we're headed, that's our hope, that's our expectation, that's what moves us forward. And it moves us forward, we have that hope. We have that hope because he has broken in here and now for us to experience God's love by the Holy Spirit. So we, as Jesus said, the hope of this mystery, the hope of the gospel is Christ in you. It's Christ in you, it's living in you. 
and that happens by the Spirit of God. And so we have an expectation, a joyful expectation of our future in God's kingdom forever because we taste now the reality of his love for us that we can only imagine will be exponential and without burden, without barrier that day when he comes to take us home. We're memorizing Colossians 3 and it's, I've died and my life is hidden with Christ and God and when Christ appears, I will also appear with him in glory. So that's our expectation. We live today, we operate today, knowing that's where we're going. But he doesn't want that to be only a future reality. He came, brought the, the, the age to come into this dark, present, evil age that's still ruled by a supernatural enemy that's doing everything to keep you from believing that God actually loves you. And he's breaking into that and wants you to be convinced that he is for you, committed to you, and will never leave you. And he wants you to be convinced that he is that way to you because he actually loves you and because he actually wants you. But I can stand up here and tell you that all day long. But until the Holy Spirit shows us that that is true, nothing changes. I'm a, test, I'm a testimony of that. The Holy Spirit is the change agent. It says we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are transformed from one degree of glory to another. And this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This is when things change, is when the present reality of God's love for us breaks into this dark evil age where we're in our flesh, where we have a supernatural enemy, where the world is ruled by the enemy and is moving towards this life, this eternity without God. And he comes to say, you're loved. Who, me? But I know me and I know how dark things have gotten and I know that there's so much still going on in me. It's in those places that God wants to send the spirit. It's in those places where he wants to pierce down into those dark places and say, yes, I really love you. And it says in Romans, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. So he sends his spirit for us to know that we're loved because this is where Jesus lived from as well. He came up out of the waters of baptism in Matthew three, the spirit descends on him and a voice is heard, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus lived the life we should have lived, died a death for us so that we could take that, what was his right, and all be called this is my beloved son, this is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. That's what Jesus has done for us and for all people, whoever would have it. And God's love, present love in this life now, changes everything. It changes everything about who we are, where we're going and what we do. It changes how we're gonna talk about life with each other and it changes about how we talk about lights in the world. I'm gonna share a quote from a, um, a revivalist uh, named uh, George Whitfield. He, um, he was from England and um, <clears throat> he had just great fruit in a revival in America. And he saw so much stuff happen through his ministry. Um, and he was, just to give you context, very conservative, a reformed person, um, not uh, a Pentecostal. I'm not saying anything wrong about Pentecostal. He's not a Pente Pentecostal or charismatic, but he has a very direct, I think, I like how. Um, people back then, 1700s, they seem to uh, uh, speak, um, maybe it could be a little bit more offensively, but more directly and straight to the point where sometimes I have a trouble doing that. I'm gonna let George Whitfield do it for us. So you can go to the next slide. Oh, we're right there. I had I in mind to hinder the progress of the gospel and to establish the kingdom of darkness, I would go about telling people they might have the spirit of God and yet not feel it. That's pretty direct. <clears throat> it's because of the testimony of scripture that he's bold in that way. It's because of the testimony of the people of Acts. It's because of Paul. It's because of Paul was able to say, I count all things as rubbish because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. A present real knowing of Jesus and his love for him. 
that he was able to move that way. I'm gonna share this picture. This is gonna be weird for y'all for a second, but hopefully it'll make sense. Uh, this is a food picture. I take a lot of food pictures. Carrie's surprised that this hasn't happened yet, but here we are. I like trying a lot of different foods. This is Laos cuisine. I've taken a lot of people to eat this dish. This is called Yam Nam Khao Tad. Now, I just had it this week, and I said, is that how you pronounce it? And they said, you did a great job. So I did a great job pronouncing it. Um, I took Garrett to eat this. Um, he's always asking what that's called. Um, I think last time he called it yum yum cow tongue. I said, don't say that um, at the restaurant. Just let me go with you. Don't pronounce it that way. Um, this is an amazing dish. It's crispy rice. It's got, um, it's got lime. It's got red onion. It's got peanuts. It's got texture. It's got spice. It's got savory. A lot of people think that I'm weird, but if you know me, you know that this is how I work. I love flavors. <clears throat> and it's an amazing, an amazing dish. Um, but I can tell you that all day long, there's only one way to know that it actually is, tastes as good as I say it is. It's that you would go and actually experience the flavors for yourself. It's that you would actually taste the goodness of Yum Yum Khao Tad. Go to the next slide. This is a quote from a um, theologian, conservative theologian in Oxford. Oh, how different our lives would be, free from anxiety, depression, jealousy, and discontent. How full of joy and praise, how easy to pray, how quick to praise. If only we could grasp what God has done for us, given us and made us in Christ. But we need the spirit to take the word of God and break through those years of lies and sin to help us truly know. I love that line, but we need the spirit to take the word of God. The authoritative sufficient word of God that we trust and that we've based our life on. We need him, we need the spirit to take it and break through those years of lies and sin to help us truly know. He goes on in the next slide, we have interpreted the text, but we have sometimes failed to experience the reality behind them. The Holy Spirit today and always is calling his church back to intimacy with King Jesus. The Holy Spirit the love between the Father and the Son is sent to unite us to God in love. Paul tells us that it is the role of the Spirit to shed abroad the love of God in our hearts. You can go to the next slide. And so we're back at that verse, and to know the love of Christ that goes beyond knowledge and be filled with all the fullness of God. to be filled with all the fullness of God. I don't know about you guys, but that's what I want for my life. I want to be filled with all the fullness of God. I wanna go about each day, each day, knowing God's present love for me, filled up. Because when we're filled up, we think about all the things that was so hard for us to say no to. But in the place of being filled up because of his love, the world doesn't have anything to offer us. It's when, we, when we're devoid and we feel so distant from his love and that he actually cares about my life, that he actually sees me and knows me, that the things of this world seem to be pretty enticing, seem to offer me something. So the goal is not that we would have spiritual experiences. God's goal for us in this is that we would be transformed in the image of Jesus to live as he lived in the world. And so when you see Jesus live, he lived as a servant. His life was not easy. He poured out his life for others. That was his life. It was the cross life, a life of love to death. It's the same life he invites us into. So he invites us into that same life to give our lives away to others, to live in the way of love but he does not expect us to do it without the reality that he lived in, which was his father loved him. He was with his father and he knew he was going back to his father. In John 13, as he is going to his death, he goes and washes his, his feet of his disciples, showing that the master, the teacher, the rabbi was the servant. And he said, right before he did that act, he said, I know that I'm with the Father and I know I'm going to the Father. 
paraphrase. So he, he knew who he was, he knew his father loved him, and he knew where he was headed. And, I, and he wants us to know that. He wants us to know that in a way that goes beyond knowledge. He wants us to know that in a way that the, only the Holy Spirit can offer us. Jesus died for us to be able to know that. It's the fruit of our love to him. And we love God because he first loved us. And we know Jesus died for us. We need the Holy Spirit to show us, yes, he died for you. He died for me. He knows me. And he still wants me. I don't know if that surprises you from time to time. It surprises me. He knows me. And he wants me. And so this is not the reality that we step out here and every day is filled with an unbelievable experience of the love of God every step we take. But the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and the knowledge of God's love for us should be normative for the Christian in their life. And it'll come with heights and it'll come in, in wonderful experiences and it'll come in the mundane. But also we know those times where there's distance and he doesn't seem close, and I don't know his love, but I wanna say that that absence of his love and his presence is only indicative that there is a presence. Because if there was never a presence, we wouldn't know that anything was missing. It's when we grow content living our Christian life, doing the duties, accomplishing the tasks, and never needing to know the love of God or the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, it's when we're content with that place and we, we feel we do not need the Holy Spirit. We don't need supernatural help. We don't need God himself to come down and make these truths real to us. That's when we should be concerned, not when we feel the absence. That creates, should create hunger in us. God, I need you. This life you call me to, Jesus, I need you. I need you. We're gonna have the worship team come up, and I'm gonna end with... Uh, a story, um, you know, I wanna say one thing, one of the, the testimonies that has been beautiful to me, um, just to brag on my wife, um, is getting to live with her and see her live her life, um, to see her wrestle with God on things. I, there's many different things that God has taken care of too that are deep places that are hard, that are places of surrender that, that she doesn't wanna let go of, but I have been, so encouraged and amazed at how she has wrestled with God in those places. And I've seen no matter how long it takes, she always lets go and she always gives in, but she lets God do that work. And I, and I realize doing this is because she's rooted and grounded in love of God. It's because she knows that God loves her, that even if it's a struggle and even if it's painful and even if I kicking and screaming for six months, a year, there's that place I know God loves me, so eventually I'm gonna let you have this, God. The next slide, this is a quote from a guy, a Scottish theologian, it says Tom um, Smale or something. A spirit, a spirit who could deviate, I'm sorry, Tom, I really like this quote. A spirit who could deviate from the glory of Christ crucified in order to promote a more dazzling glory of his own, who passes by the sufferings of Christ in order to offer us a share in a painless, costless triumph is certainly not the Holy Spirit of the New Testament. That one needs to be abundantly clear. The Holy Spirit is always pointing to Jesus, his sufferings for us. And even as Jesus came out of the water of baptism, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The next chapter, the spirit leads Jesus into the desert to be tested. It's the same spirit. And so he'll lead us into that life, into that narrow path that's hard, that's difficult, but filled with glory because we know whose we are and we know where we're going. I just wanna share one um, experience and y'all can, you can play and we're gonna, I'm gonna pray and we're gonna get 
get going, but um, one experience of that for me, um, it's, it's anecdotal. Um, it is, um, it's my story, but just to give some practical um, reality to some of this journey that I've been on as God has convinced me over and over, and this is a journey, it is not a one-time thing, this is a journey of him convincing me that he loves me and he wants me, um, that we can be and should be attentive to wherever and whenever he wants to, to speak this truth of his love to us, because it can be anywhere. It's not here tonight or in our quiet time tomorrow morning. I hope that happens, but it could be at work. It could be anywhere. It could be watching a movie. And for me, this time, it was watching a movie. The background to that is God um, really convicted me of the beauty um, of uh, the chapter in Isaiah, chapter 53. It's a prophecy of Jesus' suffering for his people. It's a prophecy. It says, a man of sorrow is acquainted for, with grief. He has borne our sorrows. He's carried our grief. The punishment that was upon him brought us peace. We've all gone astray, but God has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. It's a prophecy of what the Messiah would do to bring us near to God, to take away our sins. And the movie was Braveheart. And I know it's, you know, Braveheart's kind of a spiritual um, movie anyway, a uh, spiritual experience. Um, I asked Kara if I should play the clip here. She said, well, it seems kind of weird. Is it a bad part? Well, it's when he was being tortured and killed at the end. She said, that's probably not a good idea. I said, okay, my wife knows best. Um, I was watching this. Um, so those verses were in me from uh, Isaiah 53. And I'm watching, and the story is this character, William Wallace, it's a real guy, and he was fighting for freedom for his people in Scotland. And um, he was finally captured by the oppressor and he was being tortured and, and called to relent. Um, and he wouldn't relent. And so the scene is a, a crowd of people watching him be tortured and his head is laid back flat and his head moves to the side and he's looking out into the crowd. And after the end of his torture, he's gonna be beheaded and in his agony, he's looking through the crowd and in through the crowd, he sees a vision of his bride. Um, it was his wife who had been killed by the oppressors earlier in the movie. And as he's being tortured and as he's being um, killed and in agony, he looks out and he sees this vision and he sees his bride. And in his agony, he looks over and he lays his head over and he sees his bride and he smiles. And I'm just watching this movie. I'm just like, oh wow, this is, this is powerful. Um, and then the Holy Spirit speaks this verse into my mind in a way that I can only, I can't fully explain that it wasn't, it wasn't in my mind, it was not present, I wasn't thinking about the scriptures, but it came piercing with such clarity in my mind and in my thoughts, and it was from Isaiah 53, and it's from verse 11. It said, out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. And I saw this image of, William Wallace seeing his bride in the middle of his agony and the spirit speaks to me out of the anguish of his soul, he'll see and be satisfied. And Jesus on the cross, out of the anguish of his soul, he sees the bride, he sees what he's purchasing, he sees what he's buying and he wants me. And it pierced so deeply to me that God actually wants me. He wants me to be with him and he gave everything that I would know him. He actually loves me. And that's my story, that's not your story, and that's not your experience. So the point is not that I convey my experience to you, I hope that's helpful, but the point is that God wants to and is fully available and wants to pour out his love in us by the Spirit. And he wants us to be looking for it everywhere. Looking for it everywhere, because that fuels the life that he wants us to live in the kingdom of God. We're gonna be talking a lot more about the Holy Spirit. We're gonna be talking about what keeps us from that. What keeps us from that? Unsurrender, unconfessed sin, or just, we don't think we're worthy. We believe the lies of the enemy. There's a lot of things that keep us from that. And we're gonna pursue it together because we believe what Jesus said. If we come to him, out of our heart will flow rivers of living water, which is the Spirit. Father, thank you for this space and this time. Thank you for getting to look into your word in the gospel. Thank you for getting to see that you have not left us alone. Jesus, you said, I would not leave you as orphans, but I'll come to you. And you said that about the spirit, that we wouldn't live this Christian life 
powerless and on our own, but we live it filled with the Spirit, living with people that are filled with the Spirit to see you do incredible things, not to see what we can accomplish by our great self-discipline or wonderful programs, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, which you took 120 people at Pentecost and changed the entire world. Help us to have a vision of how powerful your power is. Help us to have a vision as Hope Church of what you can do through us, not what we can do for you. This comes from your spirit and you want us to know and live in your love. We receive that love. We ask as the prayer team comes up, that you would um, speak to us and you would call us um, to whatever you're asking us to do, to pray, to sit, to sing. We need you desperately and we love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.